What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Sitting with Sean, episode number 25. What's up, Brandon? How you doing, bud? Oh, another day in someone's paradise, mate. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. All right, guys. So today I got a pretty awesome guest. He comes all the way from Brisbane, Australia. This is Brandon. Yeah, yeah, and and for everybody that that watches regularly and you guys see my my stuff I put out, Brandon's the first person from outside of America that I had on the show. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I feel honored. I feel honored to be honest. This yeah. is my first. This is my first ever podcast appearance. Nice. Well, welcome. So, welcome. I get to break you. your virginity. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's only happened once before. <laughs> <laughs> now you're bored again. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, I, was, but yeah, I was doing so well, too. You were doing so well. You were saying no, you are saying no, and then I came along, and you can't resist yeah. the beard. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Beards attract, I guess. Yeah, uh, exactly. All right, Brandon, would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself? <clears throat> sure. Uh, my name's Brendan, as you can tell by the writing there. Um uh, yeah, I'm I'm 29 in like three or four days time, something like nice. that. It's nice. Wednesday in Australia for me. It's my birthday. Um, I have two children, um, father of two boys. Um, every like every decision I've ever made has led to those two, and yeah, like I do everything I do is for them. Um, Father's Day here in Australia is actually this Sunday. It's the first Sunday in every September Nice here. Um, so yeah, it's a couple of days before my birthday. So it's a nice little couple of day cycle there. Um, yeah, I went to public school growing up. I was always the nerdy kid, teacher's pet kind of thing. Mm. Um, and as a result of that, I was never a big kid either. I'm, you know, I'm just under six foot tall and I'm a bit bigger these days. I sit around sort of one, 180 ish these days, but I used to be, you know, a, you know, a praying mantis type deal, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, a string bean straight up and down. And, um, but I used to play a sport called cricket. Uh, I, that was sort of my religion growing up. Um, I got into martial arts because of self-defense and then I got heavily into boxing for a very long time. And then I, I discovered the USC in 2004. So I was pre-ultimate fighter, so I'm old school OG UFC fan. Yeah. Um, and considering I was in Australia and that stuff wasn't available then, it was just, yeah, it was fluke. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I do a lot of different things. I, I'm a fairly sort of all-round kind of person, skill set-wise. I can do a lot. I, at the moment, I work in IT for telecommunications people with internet and phone services call us and go my shit's not working i go did you touch that button i told you not to touch yeah you did didn't you you dickhead don't touch it yes. like you know that's about 60 percent of my job and the other 40 percent of my job is that technician didn't do his job so now i've got to fix his fuck up and then fix the job nice. so you know uh I'm, i i'm one of those i'm a jack of all trades but a master of none yeah um I'm very blessed to have um, natural athleticism. Like I can play almost any sport and you give me six months and I'm, you know, I'm making the start in 11 or whatever, you know? Um, but on the same token, I'm also a nerd. 
Yeah. I can I can tell you everything about Star Wars, Star Trek. I can do Marvel. I've read every Marvel comic book ever written. Jeez, uh, that took a long ass time too. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's yeah. I just I like to think that I'm a pretty you know laid back kind of guy. Uh, my father, one of the first things he taught me when I was able to understand the world was that you're not allowed to laugh at anybody else unless you can laugh at yourself. Um, so I don't take anybody seriously and myself included in that statement. So if you're taking me seriously, that's your problem. (laughs) Like, you know, um, I try to, I try to live, I try to live by that. You know, I do everything I do again for my kids. Yeah. You know, I, I get up and I face the world and I deal with what I deal with to make sure that my kids have a life and an education and, and, you know, don't have to go through what I went through really. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's huge. That's huge, man. Um, you know, doing what, what you do for your kids, that's that's something that not a lot of people do. You know, a lot of yeah. people say they'll do things for their kids, but mm-hmm. in reality, there's a lot of selfish parents in the world. My my children saved my life, man. Like, point blank period. Like, I, I, I wasn't doing anything stupidly reckless, mm-hmm. but I was the kind of guy where I'm like, I don't really care. Like, I, like if shit happens, shit happens. Like, I don't, I don't have the need to... To, you know be putting myself in a position where i'm doing the right thing because i don't care at this point yeah and then i had my children and i always wanted to be a father mm-hmm. so i straightened right up um you know not that it was i needed to but it just i made the transition because i wanted to you know i wanted to i know what it's like to go through life and have to be the man of the house as a child and raise your siblings as a child you know, so I didn't want that for my kids. I, I swore I would never put them through that. So, awesome. yeah. It's super honorable. That's really honorable, man. Um, before we get into it, man, uh, I, I met I met Brandon on, on TikTok. And uh, I remember, our, I don't remember our first interaction. I don't remember if it was you jumped in on one of my lives or or you commented on a video no or no um off memory i commented you made a reply to someone which is what a lot of your videos are yeah um i believe it was something to do with the whole so-and-so did this so-and-so did that and you did the whole well you know treat it on its merit kind of thing yeah and i'm like i'm like ah a man with a brain rare hello how are you <laughs> like you know kind of thing um yeah. yeah. Um and it's just yeah, and then I realized you were a wrestling fan and yeah. 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 I yeah, so I mean anybody who watches who, who watches or who follows my or my TikTok stuff like um I actually got posed with a question today. And they were like, How are you somebody asked, How are you so cool? And I said, because I'm a human and I recognize other human beings. That's it. That's yeah. it. I don't give a damn if you have other opposing views than I do because you're a human being. Well, I think I think opposing <coughs> views are necessary, and oh, I mean I'm I, I mean it's not the right context necessarily. But Jordan Peterson was right when he said that in order to be funny, you have to risk being offensive. And so when you when you to in order to have an opinion, someone's going to disagree with you. Oh, yeah. Like it's it's and and so I think. It, if you can have healthy discourse with that different view, then great. But that's also becoming rarer and rarer. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of people get get so uptight about their opinions, and they think that they're right when 
in reality, I mean, unless it create it like crosses a moral moral standpoint or a moral boundary, mm-hmm. then there is no right or wrong. Like, and I'm not, I, that sounds terrible, but like, uh, no, no, like no, I, no, I, right. I, I can't tell you that you're right. You can't tell me that I'm right or that I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so unless it crosses that that moral boundary, then yeah, mm-hmm. there there's no problem with it. But yeah, I yeah, mean, the way, yeah. go ahead. Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, the way that I tell people is that you know when you look at a book and you're thinking about whether or not you're going to read it, and you look at the back and you read the the blurb from the author. Mm-hmm. If you interpret that book differently to the author, you are wrong, because the author's interpretation is the correct interpretation of the book because they wrote it. So if I tell you I'm thinking something, it's your word against mine. You can't say that I'm wrong. That is. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's just, yeah, it's one of those, like, one of those things where it's like, instead of just getting mad, just accept the fact that people say things you may not agree or like, and just go about your life like you're an adult, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And one of the other things that I kind of was like, I like this guy's because he has a beard. I like you because you have a beard. You know, I automatically default. I look at people and it's weird and I've admitted this before. I judge people on their beards. Right. Well, I'll be out in public and I'll walk around. I'll see a guy with like stubble. I'm like, no, he's probably he probably sucks as a human being. I don't go that far, but I'm like his beard is shit. okay? and then like or or I'll see somebody that has a beard the size of you and me. And I'm like, bro, you got a really nice beard. Keep going. And they're like, oh, fuck. Thank you, man. Like I ran into this guy. He had a beard like right down here. I had no idea like his history of growing a beard and. And I was like, yeah, man, you you got a good beard, man. Keep going. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I had one that was bigger than this. I was like, oh, what happened? He's like, I went in for surgery, and they cut it off. I was like, I'd be so fucking angry. Bro, I'd be throwing hands. Yeah, yeah. It would be a fight. It would be a fight. That would be one of those moments where it'd be like, that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> exactly. Straight up. Straight, Straight up. up. Yes, sir. All right, nah, so like, doesn't- go ahead. So it doesn't take me long to grow a beard. I'm fucking half gorilla, bro. Like, it just, yeah. I yeah, this. Go, like, good. I like my my old man is opposite to me, right? So like he'll shave, and he takes like a week to get a five o'clock shadow. Hmm. I'll shave at seven o'clock in the morning, and I got a beard by lunchtime. Like you know, like it's it's crazy. It's already like, back. Mm. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It, People always ask me how long did it take you to grow your beard, and I'm like two years, and I'm on eight months now. And they're like, "Really? It was that fast?" And I was like, "I I don't have anything to gauge it from. Like, I can't. I don't have anybody that I can be like, okay, you know, I've watched your growth, and here's mine." Um, and, and so I'm like, "Yeah, you know, two years, eight months. You know, it is what it is." And they're like, "God, I'm going on ten years, and I don't even have what you have." And I'm like, "Well, sorry." Take Sounds like a pills. you problem. Sounds like a you problem, not a me problem, <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, man, you talked about you talked about being a fan of pro wrestling, and that's kind of like what brought us together. Uh, what is it about professional wrestling that you enjoy? Um, I think. Well, I mean, I've never bought into the narrative of the whole. Oh, wrestling's just fake. Look, yes, it's choreographed. There's a difference between choreographed and fake. Because as someone who is a martial artist who at a very young age learned to pull my punches so you don't hurt someone, mm-hmm. which in the wrestling world you have to do, yeah. right? I appreciate the art of storytelling is the mm-hmm. biggest part of it. 
Like, like it's yes, a good wrestling match is nice, but if you're telling a story in the ring and you're putting on a good wrestling match, mate, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Like, first and foremost, martial arts, MMA is always going to be my, you know, my combat sports go to. Mm-hmm. Right, there's nothing like watching two dudes beat the absolute shit out of each other, and you know, and you're not the one getting hit, so it's fucking great. Yeah. But yeah, like the storyteller, like John Cena and AJ Styles at the Rumble in 2017, is one of my favorite matches of all time. I have a lot of people who are hardcore marks who mm-hmm. shit on John Cena. Yeah. And that motherfucker did a sunset flip powerbomb to fucking AJ Styles, right? Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I went, five moves, huh? Five moves? Yeah? Five moves? Shut up. And then and then I always refer them I always refer them back to Cena's match with Shinsuke Nakamura on SmackDown when Shinsuke accidentally um botched dumped the um, Yeah, dumped him on his neck and after the match Cena was like, It's all good, dude, it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, he's supposed to have this mythical golden <laughs> shovel if he if he was that bad and that evil, he would have had Shinsuke buried for that. And he's just like, no, I mean, it happens. It's an accident. Yeah. Like, so I, I'm I'm definitely more of a WWE guy because that's what I grew up with. Yeah. But I do appreciate a lot of like, wrestling in general. Like, a good match and a good storytelling, like, a good promo. Like, being part Scottish and Irish and Australian, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. a good shit talk. Yeah. Right? It's, it, it's just in me to do it. Yeah. Uh, and so guys like Cena who will absolutely end your career on a mic. Yeah. I can I can appreciate that. And and you know, so it's like what Cena like what Cena did to the Miz in twenty seventeen and what he did to Roman in twenty eighteen. Oh yeah. Like that 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 shit on that he did to Roman in twenty eighteen, I was like, God damn, you did not have to do the man like that. Right. Like that's the fucking tribal chief and you did that. Like, bro. <laughs> you just buried him. You did exactly what you said you were going to do. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, nah, so thing, I think. Go ahead. So the bit that I thought that was the best where he said, I could do this part time better than you could do it full time. And I was like, oof. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I've been open. I've been very open in saying I don't like Cena, but I've had bad a bad experience with him, like in person. But I cannot deny that he he's phenomenal, like when it comes to professional wrestling. He is a genius. And he can sit there and credit people all day and that he's humble and I'll I'll give him that. Uh but the man is all around one of the best performers easily of, of the past twenty years. Yeah, see, and like he's always he's never admitted that he's the best in the ring. He said, I do my storytelling. Mm-hmm. by being the come from behind big match john telling the story on the mic my opponent will tell their story against me in the ring i'm usually not as good as them like i can put but uh, ev- like everybody says cena can't wrestle i'm like yes but your favorite wrestler wrestled john cena and said he was one of the best they've ever worked with so yeah. i'm gonna believe the guy who was in the ring with him yeah. over the mark yeah yeah and, and it's weird because i've with, with with the state that WWE was in prior to Triple H taking over within the mm-hmm. past, ever since Cena left, it's been weird because people are like, oh, you know, some of my friends are like, oh, you know, what if Cena comes back? I'd be like, I'd, I'd enjoy it. I'd fully enjoy it. When he came back to fight Roman 
at uh when was it i think it was the rumble SummerSlam. summer summer slam yeah i think was it summer slam yeah last was, year yeah yeah when he came back for SummerSlam, i was like fuck yeah let's do this like i'm down to see a, another cena match which is weird because if cena if that would have been something where he was a full-time or even like more more active as a part-timer i would be like eh, eh. But, yeah, but actually, on that, sorry to interrupt. So he was at a, a Comic-Con thing recently, mm-hmm. and he did a 35-minute Q&A with the crowd. Mm-hmm. And they asked him, are you going to go on one more title run? Mm-hmm. And he said, never say never, but this is a young man's game. These guys are better than when, you know, better than the guys I was facing when we were their age. This is constantly evolving. This is also their world now. Yeah. He said, if the if it if the timing is right, the opponent's right, the run is right, everything goes the right way. Yes. But I also don't want to take it away from these guys because this is their world now. Yeah. And he said, and I'm 45. Like it's, he's like, I've still got gas in the tank, but you know. And I was yeah. like, honestly, I appreciate that honesty from him. And that's a yeah. very fair take, very, very fair take. And like even even people who I know that hate John Cena were like, eh, I can't really argue. That's you know that's pretty fair. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So I I I I do enjoy enjoy John Cena now that I'm a little bit older. Like I I, I enjoy his mic work. I really enjoyed his in ring work, uh, except for when it get it gets to that point where like the five moves of Doom. You're like, okay, he's gonna do a shoulder tackle. Here comes another one. Here comes a hip toss. One. Yeah, here yeah, comes see, the five-knuckle shuffle. I can, yeah, I can <coughs> see that. I can see that. And, I mean, I, I, I like where I defend him on that is it's, it's his character. That's what he does. Yeah. That's how we know he's doing that move. And then, yeah. but even me as a thing, I'm like, I want to see a different, unique counter to this. I want to see somebody counter this differently. Yeah. And, yeah, and so... Yeah. What what I started noticing that I really liked toward the end of his active career, what I really enjoyed was in big big matches like so against like AJ and I think mm. there's there's a few other people he did this to was he did he did the he did an AA and he got back up got did the AA again like back to back holding the arm and then he went up to the top rope and did the super AA and I was like okay there's something different I actually enjoy it well the one his finish against AJ where he landed the AA rolled him over picked him back up yep. stood him up and landed another AA I was like god fucking damn that man is terrifying strong yeah like because Co- okay. Cody Rhodes is one, is one that does a triple finisher too mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah no, seems um, strong as fuck yeah, all, well, um, Big Show said that he has seen it stronger than Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, like, he said he felt safer on Cena's shoulders than anyone else's. He's like, I know that man's not going to drop me. And in Mania 26, Cena just casually walks over to the corner, picks up Show and Edge, and it's like, oh, yeah, cool. And just like, <laughs> what? Like, he just did it so casually. I'm like, you don't casually pick up 720 pounds, bro. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. Just, you just don't do that. It's fucking terrifying. I'll tell you who I've been really impressed with lately. The return of the real Kevin Owens. Oh, yeah. Prize oh, yeah. fighting Kevin Owens. It's the best Kevin Owens. Top, top five in the company. Like, and I'll tell you what I'm keen for. Seamus, man. He's do, uh, he better beat Walter. 
he better mm. beat Walter. I don't get me wrong. I'm I'm a Walter fan. I like the intensity. I like it, but it's Sheamus, bro. Yeah. Like. Yeah, he needs that, and that's the only title he hasn't won. Yeah. He needs yeah. that for the Grand Slam. For ironically <coughs> enough, same same with John Cena. Yeah. yeah never won hasn't... the IC title. Yeah, he's never won the IC title. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Also, I'm... John Cena, U.S. Open Challenge. Everybody's doing it now. Mm-hmm. And every now and then I come across a mark and they go, oh, I'm so glad this is happening. I'm like, you better be giving Cena credit. Yeah. Because they were doing it after he did it because it was so successful. And that was his idea too. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, better be giving the man credit. <laughs> you know who I'm really impressed with is, is Lashley. Lashley oh. is putting out some good, good work. See, yeah, because um, I remember Logan Paul was talking about it on his podcast and he was saying how they were initially hesitant about putting the WWE title on Bobby because they weren't sure how he would do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he was carrying him. So like when he, when they put the US, that new US championship on him, mm-hmm. ever since then, he's just been, yep. you know, and when they, when, when they, I, I mean, I didn't agree with him beating Brock, I'll be honest. Yeah. But because Viking Brock is just fucking different. Yes. <clears throat> um, different beast. Um, but, but like the way he looked with the belt, the way he carried himself, it just, he looks like a man who would be a world champion. Like, and like his US title run right now, face, face Bobby Lashley on this US title run. I mean, he faced fucking AJ Styles and the week before he faced fucking Tommaso Ciampa. Both of those were yeah. fucking barn burners. Like, and they were Bobby over Lashley. 20 minutes. Yeah, like, and I, I mean, I always knew Bobby. It's not like Bobby Lashley couldn't wrestle, but the man can wrestle, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, okay, he was a U.S. Army wrestling champion. I mean, the guy's a fucking you know machine. Yeah. But like, this man's in his mid forties, man. And he's and he's and he's doing the best he's ever done in his career. Yep. What he what he's doing what he's doing now, you don't get to see very often out of anybody. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. And like he's and he's like, yeah, like honestly, I rate Drew above Roman, mm-hmm. but Bobby's right there. Yeah, yeah. I like so speaking about Roman, I, I like the tribal chief shit he's doing. Um, I feel like this is what he should have been I, when he, the shield I, broke up. I think it's a little bit long in the tooth now. Yeah. Uh, I also don't like. I think if Drew doesn't win at the castle, that's a massive fuck up. And I think it hurts Drew. I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been impressed with Roman's run. I've been wanting the Usos to be able like, to like, you know, have Mm -hmm. this, like to see how they do. And when Jay first started in that one thing with Roman, when he was at the start of his run, Main event Jay Uso was different, dude. Like they were letting him actually get in there, and he was putting on bangers with Kevin Owens and fucking, you know, the, the matches with Roman were fucking great too. Yeah, and I mean it's long in the tooth now, and someone does need to beat Roman. <coughs> I want to see, I want to see the heel character arc of what happens when he loses. Yeah, like does he just get angrier and stronger and more violent and more brutal? Does he start losing confidence? And that's when the face turn comes back. Like yeah. how, how do you work it? Yeah. I, I would love to see him just go berserk. 
just absolutely batshit crazy. We're and, talking and, Brock Lesnar ripping a car door off and throwing yeah. at somebody in the crowd and accidentally hitting them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the kind, that's what I want to see because you don't get to see those monster heels anymore. Like you, well, you don't you don't get to Braun see the Hollywood Strowman's Hogan's back. anymore. Yeah, I'm not excited about that to be honest. No, I mean honestly, I do think he was hard done by. Yeah. I thought they fucked him over with the Intercontinental Title because I thought that was Braun's chance to prove that he could have a major title, be yeah. that monster, and go on a good run. And he tried. And they fucked him, and they put the they only put the universal title on him because Roman wasn't going to be there, and they gave him horrible fucking storytelling. And the man did the best he could. It's not his fault, but yeah, you know he needs. They need when he comes back, he needs to be booked properly for people yeah. to rebuild their their faith in him. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to do anything, they I I feel that they should bring him back to Raw. Well, I mean, he's coming back to Raw, but I think that he should enter right into a feud with. Uh, with Bobby Lashley because Bobby's got nothing going on, and you don't get to really. We haven't really seen him and Bobby Lashley go at it uh, on a on a real in a real platform, real real good match. And I think they both could put on a good match. I want to see Rhea versus Beth. Oh yes, yes, that's that. And my, I, I think that would be a bloodbath to be honest. Well, I mean both. Big, powerful, strong yeah. women known for their strength, known for their brutality, known for their intensity. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would say, I would say Rhea's probably the Brock of that, and I'd say Beth is more of a strategist. Yep. So I'd say she's probably more of like a, a Stone Cold or yeah. a, or like a, a a Triple H before he was in DX. Yep. Yep. Again, I, I'm an old head, you yep. know, so like I. When I reference wrestling, I'm like, oh, yeah, back in 1996, I was fucking three. But, like, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know know who I'm looking forward to coming back? That man right there. I. They they fucking did him so dirty. That bullshit with that Hell in a Cell match with him and Seth. Yes. Yes. Like, me, I got a mate of mine, and he's, like, the most hardcore wrestling fan in the universe. And. Him and I literally almost stopped watching WWE because of that. We were like, yeah. "What in the fuck is this bullshit?" Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And it and it was because Vince wanted to protect Seth. And like, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, but, you want to protect yeah, you your could, hot commodity, but you could, there's other ways you could have done it. Yeah, you know how you protect Seth against the Fiend? Make it. Don't put him in the hell in cell. <laughs> Don't put it in the hell in the cell. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's how you protect yeah, him. Either yeah, either that or Seth just keeps doing the whole. He just doesn't work. He won't go away for a while, and he puts up a fight. Yeah. The Fiend has to win that, but, you know, Seth can mm-hmm. be like, I gave it my all, and the whole, you know, babyface thing or whatever, you know. That's how you protect Seth. His stock I, I, doesn't go down. No. I've been a huge fan of, of Bray Wyatt since NXT, and and um, I think he's one of the best minds in wrestling, psychology-wise. Like, you can... And I'll say it like this, because he thought up of The Fiend six years before The Fiend ever came into existence. Yep, yep. and I remember him talking about it. Yeah, he described it in a promo, and I was like, holy shit. I mean, I don't mean to do the man dirty, but I remember they did an interview, and he said he was talking to JoJo before he cheated on his wife with her and got Mm -hmm. with her, Mm -hmm. right? He was talking to her about the idea, and she talked about it. She said, yeah, he came to me when... He was still married to his 
you know, his, his first wife. Mm. And he was like telling me about this idea that he had for a character. He wanted to do some demon style character that was different to Kane and different to the undertaker, but it, but it more creepy rather than scary. And, 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 you know, just an intimidation of thing. And honestly, him and Randy had the potential to be amazing and they fucking botched the shit out of it. Yep. Because Randy Orton's that evil psychopath. Like, I wanted the Randy Orton punting everybody in the temple versus the Fiend booked properly is one of the greatest feuds in the history of professional wrestling, period. Yeah. It had a lot of potential. That's that's just two straight-up psycho killers. You know what I reckon would have been an underrated banger? Hmm. Prime Boogeyman and Prime Fiend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They could have done so much. They could have done so much together. I still think the Boogeyman should have had at least one title. Yeah, yeah. You know, what really did it in for me with The Fiend was three things. One was Hell in the Cell, uh, where I, where I was kind of like, okay, there, he's buried, and there's you, you can't come back from it, is is Hell in the Cell, um, and then when he lost to Goldberg, and then that pissed me the fuck off, right off, all the way. Uh, and then... Uh, was uh, and then and then when when he lost to Randy in in the Firefly Funhouse match, where they where he set Randy on fire or Randy set him on fire and then he came back as the burnt fiend. I'm like, why, why? Like and and then and, and then that ultimately you, led to the WrestleMania match. It was yeah, bullshit. and you see what and I, I, again this cycles back to and giving Cena some credit was he actually said in this Comic-Con, they said, what's the funnest match you've ever been in? And he said it was the Firefly match with Bray. He said, I let Bray have full creative control of that match. I said, mate, you do whatever you want to do. I trust you. He said, it's the best match I've ever been in in my life. It was brilliant. And that was, that was from Cena's own mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, it was... nearly a week, week or so ago that he said that. So... You know, and Bray, Bray's actually commented before about, they said, oh, you know, what was it like working with Cena in that style of match? Because he's more of an actual match guy, not a thing. And he said, no, John was fully on board with it. He said, honestly, I mean, I've I've never, he said, he said, I've always gotten along with John, but I didn't expect him to be so accommodating. Uh And he said, yeah, he just gave me full control and trusted me. And he said, it worked out so well. And he said, I'm so grateful to him. And he, the man knows what he's doing. Yeah. He said, yeah. John was just like, hey, see this thing here? Just twist it slightly. Just do this slightly. And yeah. and Bray was like, oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, no. He, man's got a point. Like, you know. And he said, yeah, it was 90% him. And Cena was just little bits of input here and there for experience. And that was it. And it worked out perfectly because both men played their part. And it shows you the genius that Bray has. Yeah. And... Another person who deserves credit for something like that is Xavier Woods. Oh yeah, Woods because is a he walked he walked into Vince McMahon's office and said, "I can make this work." And Vince went, "You know what? You had the balls to come to me. I'm gonna give you a chance." Yeah, you you got three months on TV to make it work. Nice. Five five years later, two out of the three members have been WWE champion, and Xavier is considered one of the best minds in the game right now. Yeah, yeah. And I look think they did him dirty there. with the King of the Ring. They should never have fed him to Roman, to be honest. No, never. Never in a million years. They, I mean, and even if they were going to put him in a feud with Roman, it never should have been one-on-one. No. It should have been Bloodline New Day the whole way. 
and those two never should have had a one-on-one match. No. They did. They were, they were going well because he beat Jay and Jimmy, which is fine. You can you mm. can believe that. He's the king of the ring. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But to be put in a match with Roman, and Roman, and it wasn't even like it was competitive. Mm-mm. Roman, Roman destroyed just, him. Which, which, I mean, unfortunately, with Roman's character, makes sense. Yeah. And it was just, they did him so dirty. But his success with Up, Up, Down, Down, like, he ran G4, he hosted it. You know, like, he's had so much success because of the opportunity that he gave himself. Yeah. And he, he, yeah, he took the bull by the horns and went with it, you know, and it's given him this. And Kofi said he's going to be in the New Day till he retires. Yeah. So, you know, man, yeah, I'll tell you I, what, I'm actually pretty keen for Big E to come back too. Yeah, me too. I, you know, I originally was like, oh, they need to break up. You know, Big E needs to turn heel. They don't. There's nothing about that breakup that would benefit anybody. It would hurt Big E because no. he'd have nobody to advocate for him. Well, exactly. And on top of that, I think you can have them on separate shows. Yeah. And just and then what you do is every now and then, randomly, they cross paths. It doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be in the ring. They just happen to run into each other backstage. Yeah. And you just show a little tiny backstage segment for 30 seconds, and they're just having a laugh backstage with each other. And the crowd yeah. will pop. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, it's all three members of the New Day together. We haven't seen them together in ages. Oh, my God, this is amazing. It's like that time when they were arguing with... Um, AJ in the club, and then the new, and then um, the Shield show up. Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> and it's like they're not even together anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. that. Like, if if they just do that with the New Day, perfect. That's it. They can do that for the rest of their careers, and they will stay relevant, and they will get pops. It, yeah. It's it's uh, Xavier has booked himself into a beautiful position where he has to do very little work to keep the New Day where it is. Yeah, yeah. And 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 they can continue to do things to make to make their experience enjoyable. I mean, they're going into a, a pretty much a, a no holds barred match with with the Viking Raiders. By the way, that name change pisses me off, but that's that. <laughs> Honestly, though, Viking this version of the Viking Raiders and Legion of Doom would be one of the greatest tag team matches of all time. Yeah, hands down, absolutely, because they're dark. Like like that's they're, a they're... that's a filthy match. That's a filthy oh, yeah. match, man. Yeah, yeah. Had 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 the uh, Road Warriors still been around, I think that would have been a hell of a match. Or Actually, or Viking that... Raiders versus the Bar. Yeah. So I haven't done much on TikTok wrestling wise, but I've got a very public opinion on Twitter about mm-hmm. my absolute hatred of the Young Bucks. Mm. I don't. Mm. I, I respect their in ring ability. Yeah. But they're arrogant cockheads, and I don't like yeah. them. Right? Yeah, yeah, I can um, agree. But, and I and I said this, and somebody was like, the "Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world." I'm like, I could name seven tag teams right now that are better than the Young Bucks without even actually having to think. Yeah. And yeah. they went, "Oh, name one." I'm like, "Cool, MSK." That's one. Revival. By the way, they, yeah. By the way. They did Nash Carter so fucking dirty. Yeah. Like that man literally got fucking Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. And all they do is, oh, she told it, so therefore she's telling the truth. It's like the bitch has publicly admitted to lying about people to get them in trouble. Yeah. And you just believed her on face value. Yeah. Like, where's the 
where's the thought process? I li- I I just I just had this conversation hours ago with one of my best friends, and he's a huge wrestling fan too. And we talked about about what what she did to him. And granted, it was some Kimberly, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Kimberly. And, and the thing is, is it started out with a picture, like a picture of him way way back in the day where he did a Hitler stash with the the salute or whatever. Come on, it was fucking funny. Uh, and, and she gets she she released it as blackmail, and then and then comes out and says, "Oh, he's assaulted me. He's this. He's that. He's this." That is on the same level as what what the lady is doing to Riddle now, which is the same yeah, fucking yeah. thing. Stupid. Bro, I, I want to actually say, I have my opinion on Matt Riddle has changed. Okay, What's so that? I didn't like I didn't like him in the UFC. Mm-hmm. He was a fucking goofball and not the good kind of goofball. Yeah, right. I didn't like him in NXT. Very cocky. Was always getting his shit backstage. Talked his shit about Brock and Goldberg like they wouldn't just fucking kill him on sight. Yeah, you know, and shit like that. But Randy has done something to him. And this this riddle against Seth, this serious Matt riddle. Like, I can't, like, I see Riddle and I just think he's a fucking goofball. But he's serious against Seth and I believe him. Yeah. The absence of you know, Randy. I, the absence of Randy has done a lot for him. Yeah, but, you no, know, he's learned so much from Randy in such a small amount of time that mm-hmm. Randy's gone away and Riddle's able to carry himself on his own and he's gone, hey, yo, Seth, you want to hurt my neck? That's fine. I'm still going to beat the shit out of you, bro. I'm still here. And yeah. I'm so impressed with Matt Riddle. You know, I tell you what, really unpopular opinion. I cannot stand Austin Theory. That's not too unpopular. I, I, I no, 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 I, no. Like I, I think he is in the top five most overrated professional wrestlers in the world. Oh yeah, yeah. He's top. He's in the top five most. I mean, he's fifth, but he's in the yeah. top five most <laughs> overrated wrestlers in the world. Yeah. And. You'll disagree with me on this, but I'm so glad John Moxley fucked Punk. Oh no, no, I, I compl- I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I'm agr- in agreement. I, I, I've been a Punk fan for the longest time, but I don't think Punk should have had the title in AEW. And I also, I see as an MMA guy, if you get an injury and you can't defend the belt, you relinquish the damn thing. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, I agree so wholeheartedly. As far as, so it's. So as far as I'm concerned, John Moxley's win against Punk is a title defense. Oh yeah, oh definitely, definitely. No, yeah, Mox Mox is on a different level too. He's a different Ooh. breed. Ooh, wait, when he when he beat Jericho for the belt, mm-hmm. right? And I went, if AEW keeps this up, they keep this booking. Who? Well. Ever since the Blackpool Combat Society or Combat Club started, that 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 has opened Will... up at God damn, that has opened up a I mean that's why I wear the hoodie. <laughs> they have done Regal... they've done something to every single one of them that's just like William William fucking Regal is an all time fucking top five goat. That man yeah. is fucking different. Yeah. Not only is he in my top 15 greatest technical wrestlers of all time, mm-hmm. 
the man's mind for the business is different. Yeah. The, he just fucking knows, man. That's why Triple H had him in NXT for so fucking long. He's like, you know what? You just do whatever the fuck you do, dude. Like, you good. Yeah. yeah. Well, people and, people give Triple H credit for 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 NXT Black and Gold, but they forget the person who was running the show. Oh, that Triple was H. Regal. He tell, he, yeah, and Triple H is always like, no, 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 no it's not just me. It's not yeah. just me. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's fucking brilliant. I mean, and and I would say like William Regal is responsible for a lot of the success of the some of the guys that are, and gals that are in and WWE now and even oh, AEW. Oh yeah. Fun fact: um, Alistair Black beating Andrade for the NXT title. Mm-hmm. Only only two people made that match, and that was Trips and William Regal. Oh, nice. That whole thing was the two of them. They put, yep. So William Regal likes the intensity and the brawl style, which is right up Alistair Black's yep. alley. And then Andrade's more technical, which suits yep. the more fan style thing. And so they're like, we trust you to know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, Alistair's with Selena. The three of you get along. You all know each other well. Mm-hmm. Go do your thing. Go tell the fucking story. Don't have to do. And like, apparently they didn't even practice that match. Damn. I heard that they practiced the finish mm-hmm. and a couple of spots in there that were a little bit iffy. Yeah. Otherwise, the whole thing was on the fly, pretty much. Alistair Black, Malachi Black, whatever you choose to call him, Tommy, and that man's another genius. I, 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 I don't think that you that 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 man can do wrong. And oh, you you were saying before we had Rhea, we've also got Buddy, buddy. We got ah, buddy. yeah, you got buddy as well. You got buddy, and buddy. Emma. Yeah, yeah. I actually get to meet her. She's coming up to Alaska next month. Oh, nice. Yep, nice. yep. She's doing she's doing a show up here. Um, but uh, no, I I don't think Alistair Black could do wrong. And when I first seen him come to NXT, I didn't really know who he was because I didn't follow him in the Indies. And I started like when I like somebody, I'm gonna go full in and like learn everything about him. I learned. I found out he's a Satanist, and and I fully support you know anybody in their religious beliefs. I found out he's like highly educated. He's originally from Holland, and and the man has a has a thick history in Muay Thai and and BJJ. And I was like, and he likes yeah, weapons, watched, and he likes yep, guns. I watched. I, was like, okay. I watched his. Um, I watched Seamus's um, thing that he does. His channel on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, Celtic Warrior Workouts. Mm-hmm. And he did a he did a garage workout with Alistair and Zelina, mm. and as a Muay Thai guy myself, someone with ten years of it, like his form is. Yeah, yeah, Ma- Malachi Black, Alistair Black is that that dude is is strong as shit. Oh, oh, here you go, <coughs> another one of my booking geniuses, Prime Prince Balor and him in NXT. Ooh, now are we talking New Japan Prince Balor? Are we talking? Prince no, Balor I'm talking. Now? I'm talking. I'm talking Prince who came back to NXT after being fucked oh, yeah. over on the roster. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Also, you know, you know who I think the Fiend should have a rivalry with, and he's probably his second feud back. The Demon. Cross. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
Somebody was saying that, and I seen this. Somebody was saying that they should put Cross in in Judgment Day. You don't think so? I think it. I, I think it brings his stock down. Because mm. the thing is, is they ruined the Judgment Day. Vin, when Vince started it, he was starting to go downhill. The Judgment Day needs to recover before it ends up like um, what you call it, fucking the ministry. The, no, the, the the Mason T-bar in that lot. Oh yeah, yeah, retribution. Because it it it's going down that path, and so Triple H, if he saves it, and they start getting a little bit of, you know, momentum, maybe it should but never have gone but, supernatural. Yeah, but Cross is not a team player though either. Yeah, true, true. I think oh, no. I think Cross, I think Cross could for a very small amount of time in a match, work with somebody for mutual benefit. Yeah. But then do his thing. Yeah. I don't know, man. All I know is that WWE, the way WWE is going now, I I actually really enjoy it. I look forward to watching wrestling on Mondays, and I never, never looked forward to it whatsoever. Mm. It's it's becoming enjoyable again, and and I, I, I really love it. I don't get SmackDown, or I don't get Fox, so I can't watch SmackDown, which sucks. I just, I, um, legally stream. <laughs> legally for, for, stream. For, for, for legal purposes, I watch it legally. <laughs> All right. All right, brother. So we're going to go ahead and get into it, man. I looked up, I was like, holy shit, it's 45 minutes. Holy fuck. We've been talking wrestling 45 minutes. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, But, uh, so... Okay, let's talk about it. What was it like in your mental health crisis? Uh, which one? Any of them. <laughs> um, no. So mine is a lot of PTSD slash trauma related. Growing up as a bully victim, and my mum was actually a teacher at my primary school growing up. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't actually ever allowed to defend myself against the bullies. So mm-hmm. I was curl up in a ball, take the beatings, and go about my day now in some ways i'm incredibly grateful for that because my chin good luck yeah um, yeah strong strong chin i'm also part aboriginal australian we're known for having hard heads mm. um so you know um <laughs> there is that i guess it's a helpful factor uh plus yeah. i have this lovely thing i do where you hit me in the mouth and i go that's cute <laughs> yeah um yeah but um no i um I was always the smaller kid around and I always was like picked on and bullied because I wouldn't fight back. So they knew, yeah, easy target. Yeah. And, um, as I began to get older and I hit my teenage years, I began to develop that chip on my shoulder. You know, you'd look at me the wrong way and I'd be like, all right, you know, and then, uh, every now and then I'd get into the occasional fight. For a, for a bit. Uh, I tr- always tried to talk my way out of fights or walk away from him if I could um, because it was never one-on-one. It was one of those situations where they called me a pussy, said I was soft, said I couldn't fight, but they never once ever approached me without somebody with them. And their excuse would be, oh, he's just there to record. And then I'd sit him on his ass and all of a sudden I'm getting jumped. Yeah. And then when I'd see them alone in a shopping center, I'd pull them up and be like, all right, let's do it. And there's no problem with it. No problem at all. And then a week later, they want to fight me again. Yeah. So I just, 
I had this chip on my shoulder and, you know, you'd look at me the wrong way and I was always agitated. Um, I did my, I did voluntary anger management training mm -hmm. and it didn't help, unfortunately, uh, because they were just like, they sort of treated me like, we understand you're upset, but you're not right to be angry about it kind of thing. Yeah. It was sort of like a, whether it was intentional or not, it was very condescending. Yeah. It was very much like, oh, you just need to get over it. Yeah. And I had for a very long time, my mindset was, why do I have to get over it? And you just tell them to stop and there's no recompense for them. Yeah. And I'm just expected to deal with it and cop it and go, oh, it'll get better. It's like, okay, but what are you doing to make it better? Like yeah. you're not putting systems in place to stop this. And I'm expected just to grip my teeth and deal with it. Yeah. Um, and I was, I never, I was very fortunate. I'm not, I, I wouldn't say I have an addictive personality. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never been interested in the drugs. I'm not a big drinker. Um, I can, I'm Scottish and Irish, mate. I was built for that shit. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you built different. Yeah. Oh no, I can, I can, I can put them down with the best. Um, but I just, I don't see the, the, the appeal in it that everybody else does. My addiction when I was not allowed to fight back was I took solace in things like Star Wars and, and, and the comic books and, the, and because I could immerse myself in it yep. and pretend the world didn't exist. And, um, growing up, my mum and dad broke up when I was eight years old. Um, and my mum got with another man and, um, they had kids together and he was ex, uh, RAAF. Mm -hmm. He was an aircraft engineer, uh, very, very smart man, but, um, which is the only trait that my sister's got from him. That's good. Mm. Um, but he was a violent alcoholic. Um, I lost count before I moved to Darwin with my father in 2005, mm -hmm. between two, between December, 2001 and May of 2005, I lost count at 350 for the number of beatings that I took. And that's only for protecting my mum and my sisters. That's not even the ones he gave me just because it was me. That was just yeah. the times I took them. So they didn't have to. Damn. Um, there was one time he put my head through a six inch thick wooden floor. Wow. Um, and I had to go to school with a black eye and he told the school that I tripped over when he told me not to run. Mm. Um, when, when, as a matter of fact, he literally kicked me in the face, um, because I jumped in the way of him trying to kick my sister. Mm. Um, and so I had a lot of domestic violence growing up and being the only boy in seven kids. Mm. Um, and four of them were to him. Four of those girls were born to him. Um, at the age of nine, I was raising my sisters. I was feeding them. I was looking after them. I was helping them. I, I taught them how to tie their shoes, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And um, I, that I actually kind of took solace in helping them because it took my mind off what we were going through. Cause I was focused on getting them better and getting them ready. And, um, yeah, I just, 
I went through all that and then when I became an adult I was because I had to grow up a bit younger than everybody else I had a bit more life experience than most people 10 years older than me at that point and so I had a very different perspective on the world than every other 18 year old um, but I still had that chip on my shoulder. I was still, you know, but the difference was as I began to get older and I got more and more experienced in martial arts, I learned to just go, you know what, if I wanted to, I could kill this dude on site, mm-hmm. but it's just not worth it. I don't like doing the paperwork. Yeah. Right. That's why whenever somebody has a coughing fit, I'm like, die quietly because I don't want to be a witness and I don't want to do the paperwork. All right? Like, not my hand yeah. gets sore after writing like a whole sentence, bro. Like, not <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so, um, and then I went through some rough periods with some very bad relationships. Um, I've got an absolute fucking doozy of one. So, uh, a girlfriend I had a, uh, a few years back. Uh, in 2000 and we broke up in 2017 and um, sorry end of of 2016 kind of thing anyway I had a big money tin like a big Mm -hmm. one and like this was when I was working at that 24 hour service station I was telling you about earlier Mm -hmm. and um, I would come home from work and we have we nicknamed coin shrapnel so I just come home with some shrapnel and I drop it in the tin and you know, whatever. Cause my goal was I was going to fill it up and then use that to get myself a tattoo for Christmas. Yeah. Now I had $650 in it and it was three quarters full. Wow. Now I came home from, and I had it sitting on top of a shelf. So it was like really heavy, right? Cause it was like one hand that I was like, Oh, okay. That's heavy. I came home from work one day, dropped a coin and I heard it hit the bottom of the tin. Oh no. And I was like, I know what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. And I was like, now either I'm hearing things. So I put another coin in, ding. I was like, the fuck? I grabbed it and it was light as anything. And I looked at it and it wasn't broken open. Now, at the time, it was me, my girlfriend, my sister, and my mate. Mm-hmm. Right? So my mate was working with me he had started working there i actually trained him Mm. and i knew he wasn't stealing it because him and i were working the same shift yeah my sister earned more money than all of us so i know she wasn't doing it Mm. and i'm not going to steal my own money because that's dumb as shit (laughs) yeah which means by process of elimination Mm -hmm. there's only one person it could have been yeah and it was the woman that i loved she stole $600 from me. And what she was doing was when I was at work, she would put the coin tin on the bed, tip it on an angle and pull the coins out of the hole. So I wouldn't notice the coins missing without her cutting it open. Mm. And she admitted to it when I confronted her. Several hours later, I start getting abusive phone calls and text messages about cheating on her. Now, a couple of months prior to this, the guy we were living with, his family or their family friends of ours, and they we went on a cruise, the one I was telling you about where I went to Vanuatu. Yeah. So they were renewing their wedding vows. Yeah. And 
we went on the cruise and I was with him and his family and, and that. And there was a bunch of girls on the ship and stuff like that. But they all had partners and mm-hmm. some of them had their partners on the ship with them. So she had accused me of cheating on her with these girls. So me being the loudmouth dickhead that I am turned around and said, I have the numbers of these girls in my phone. I also have the numbers of their boyfriends. If you would like to speak to them and they can tell you what happened on the ship, more than happy to do so. And then she said, oh, now you're just trying to make me sound like a bad guy. Because I was willing to provide evidence to go, if you want to speak to them, more than happy to tell you what happened, Mm -hmm. which was literally nothing. And then I was the bad guy because I was trying to make her look bad. And I was like, you literally stole money from me and then you tried to flip it on me. And then the old, then it, then it was the old classic abuse. Um, and that one didn't stick because everybody in the town knew what I went through growing up. Yeah. So they were like, there's no way. There's, there's, there's yeah. no way he did that. Yeah. Like, um, and I had a, and so, yeah, that, that ended very nastily. She was cheating on me for the last three months of the relationship too. I found out afterwards and I didn't even hear that from her. Um, and you know, it's just, yeah, it's, that's the story of my life with my relationships. Like in all of my relationships with the exception of two, I've been cheated on. I had one girl who only dated me cause her friend bet her 50 bucks. She would damn yep and like now i have a whole different perspective like i look back at that and go man what how did i not like come on yeah like what were you doing dude like come on but um you know so i like that just that just kept and all those like when i hit about 21 22 I changed level of maturity, but that's when all the real mental health kicked in. Like that was when the real serious shit kicked in. Like I was having days where I would like look at a person walking down the street and like, I I was like, how dare you exist at the same time as me and think that you have the right, like, like this person's never done anything wrong to me, but I was in such a bad headspace and I've been fucked over by so many people. I was like, if you had the chance, you'd fuck me over. Never met you before in my life, but if you had the chance, you would fuck me over because every single other person has. Yeah. And that's why when I've commented on some of your stuff or some of my stuff, I go, we shouldn't be, you know, generalizing people and putting them in these, everybody should be treated on their individual merits because I've had that mindset. I know how toxic that is. Oh, yeah. And, and so I'm very careful to make sure that I treat every individual on their merit. I'll joke and be like, oh, that guy wears skinny jeans. Well, we know what he's not packing. You, you know, like, because I mean, like, I mean, if I'm being honest, I can't fit in skinny jeans. It just, it hurts too much. Uh, I, yeah. just, I can't pack, I can't pack them that good, man. Um, but like the mental health, like I've had even up until like a year ago, like, I've, I've had a couple of like really bad periods where I was suicidal daily for months on end. Mm-hmm. And like, I'd go to work and you wouldn't think like you'd have 
no idea because I I've sucked with people. I I'm not diagnosed with anything, but there's no way in hell I'm neurotypical. Yeah. Like there's something wrong up here. There's a screw loose somewhere. Yeah. Don't know which one it is, but it's there. And I don't have the screwdriver. So you know, um yeah. but I just don't mix well with people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is because I have significantly more negative experiences with people than I do positive. Yeah. And my mindset now, and I know it's still not healthy, but my mindset is I expect you to be rude, dumb, or a combination of both. Yeah. Because nine times out of 10, people are. So if you hit my expectation level, I'm then not disappointed. So on the rare times where someone's a decent person, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, where'd this come from? Yeah. You know, I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than constantly disappointed. Yeah. And so my headspace is I expect you to be a dickhead. I expect you to not know what you're doing. I, I, I just, I don't treat you as such, but I expect it. Yeah. So when it inevitably happens, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, that's normal. Like, well, how, how can, like, how can you, how can you think otherwise when that's what the world has handed you? Well, I try these days, I'm getting better at it. I just try to sort of just go, because I very much had the whole, the world's out to get me, you know, the universe has got it in for me mindset. I had that for right until I was probably just before my eldest was born. Yeah. I had that mentality of, you know, everybody else I know isn't dealing with this. Why is it only me? What have I done to the universe for me to be the one who's targeted by this? And all I wanted to do was throw hands with yeah. the universe, with everything. I was just like, no, I'm done. I'm going to force the world to play by my rules now. Right. And it's just that that's where my head was. And then I sat down one day and I thought, this is not healthy, man. Yeah. Like, and I've had even to this day, like every now and then I'll have a really stressful day and I'll sit there. And I'll go, how do I approach this without burning any bridges? Because all I want to do right now is speak my mind. Mm-hmm. And when I speak my mind, I'm very blunt. I'm very to the point and I'm very honest. And because I can fight, I don't fear the repercussions of my words. Yeah. Cause my mind is, I know I can fucking scrap. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing you, you what, what are you going to do about it? You ain't going to do fucking shit. Yeah. Right. So that's my mindset. So, and that's dangerous because it means I don't have that filter. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't go out of my way to say things to deliberately antagonize people. Yeah. Right. But if I'm put in a situation where I'm like, well, if you want, if you want to push me down this road, all right, but it's going to, you're going to get a lot more upset than me. Like I troll the trolls. Like you, <laughs> yeah. you're not gonna win this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can relate to a lot to what you what you said, man. Like when I was a kid, I got my ass beat by my dad um, quite a bit, um, and it, it was hard to deal with. You know, uh, my my dad um, my dad would tell me, "Nobody's gonna ever believe you. Don't worry about it." 
And so that created, an, uh, and I don't know if this did it for you, but for me, it created unhealthy fear for authority figures. Where it's uh, like anybody, like anybody that held a form of authority, I was kind of like, I backed away from and I, I, I didn't want to engage to the point where like, even cops, dude, if I seen cops, like we were talking about cops earlier, if I seen cops, dude, I, I would, I would tremble and, and I, there would be nothing wrong. There'd be, I wasn't doing anything wrong. But I would tremble because of unhealthy fear of authority figures. I don't know if you had that or not. Mine, mine wasn't that. Mine's more, I don't, if you need to have your authority by demanding respect and not commanding respect, I don't see you as a leader. Yep. Right? There's a, there's a meme that goes around, and I like to use this as a, as a great metaphor. And it's the difference between a boss and a leader right and they're pulling a giant cinder block everybody's got the rope they're trying to pull it the boss is sitting on the on the cinder block with the whip the leader is at the front with the rope around his waist leading by the example so i don't have a i don't have a fear of authority figures but if you want if you want me to allow you to have authority over me you have to be competent you have to show me that you are worthy of being in that because if i can do your job better than you why the fuck would i let you have authority over me Facts. And Facts. so that's where my head's at. So my authority, because the authority figure in my life was my stepfather at the time. Mm -hmm. And his in his way of control was violence. Yeah. And that actually brings me to a point, and I want your opinion on this, because I actually get a lot of backlash on this. Mm -hmm. And you hear a lot of the time that guys who do, like, who commit domestic violence grew up around it. You know, they mm -hmm. perpetuate based on their environment. To me, that's a yeah. cop-out. So I, agree. I believe I believe that once you become an adult, you're responsible for your own actions. You do not get to blame what happened to you in your in your past life for why you are that person today. I was I watched my mother get beaten. I watched my sisters as babies and not stop crying get thrown across a room by a grown man. Mm. I took hundreds upon hundreds of beatings at home and then would go and take the same beatings at school just so that my family was safe and i became an adult i got into relationships i've never once put my hands on a woman yeah well I, that's not true but yeah not, not in a relationship i had a woman pull yeah. a knife on me and i was you know and i was like pull a weapon on me i don't give a fuck who you are i'm gonna kick the fuck out of you so yeah. you know that's de that's different but like i've never once ever gotten so mad at a female partner that i felt the need to smack her in the mouth yeah yeah okay. so this idea that yeah that you are a product of your upbringing is a cop-out in my opinion uh, i can agree um to an extent i can agree um when it comes to certain actions yes but for people that grew up in and let's say let's say um somebody a Mexican person grew up in Mexico around the cartel, right? And they know violence and that's what they know. And then, so, you know, by chance they come to America and they have this new life where they're able to start over and do something different. Um, violence is what they know. So if they commit violence, there is a moral compass that says right or wrong, right? But they don't have the same moral values as everybody else does. I'm, I'm just using the Mexican, like a Mexican person as example. Um, you know, it could be anybody. It could literally be any, if I grew up, if I grew up in, in, a, in, in a part of town that was not so good, 
Um, and, and I was taught that I need a fight to survive. And the only way to fight to survive is to go out and beat the piss out of people and it's instill my dominance. Right. And, and go steal what I want because that's the only way I'm going to get it. Um, then perpetually that's what I'm going to know because that's what my moral compass has been set by until, until you get to that point where somebody says, no, that's not right. That's wrong. Now there is a choice that we are able to make where, where we can draw that line and say that is wrong. And, and that's wrong by a societal standard. That's wrong by, by a personal standard. And, and that's based off of what we see everybody else doing around us. Um, now, as far as like domestic violence and like uh, child abuse and, and, and some of those other like more sensitive routes, I, I, I believe that there is a, a line in which, in which the choice comes into play, right? So you make, you make that, that choice to commit those acts um, and, and whether or not you go through with it is, is on you. Right. So your stepdad had the choice to do what he did or he had the choice to say no, you know, um, just like um, just like, you know, the next person down the road has 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 the choice to to to, you know, do the same thing and do the same actions. And and, and <clears throat> at that point, you can't really say, OK, now I'm doing this because I'm so angry. Well, there are coping skills and whether you've learned them or not, there are coping skills and you can say, okay, I choose, I'm going to choose to, to not get so angry, or I'm going to choose to figure out how to handle this, um, and, and work around that anger. And that's something that I've had to work on in my own recovery is, is that I would go to anger for any negative emotion, right? So like, if I was sad, I was angry. If I was, if I was, uh, upset, I was angry. If I was depressed, I was angry. I'd get angry. And, and much like you, what you said, where you, where you start seeing people and you said, how dare you exist in my space? Like I had this, my anger got so bad. Like I would have visions of killing people, like maiming people. Like literally I had a vision of me putting a hatchet in, in my landlord's head. And, and it was, it was violent and it scared me. And, and I was like, because if I'm having these visions, what am I capable of doing? Like, I know what I'm capable of doing in a profession because that's what I did in a profession, you know? Um, but on a personal level, am I capable of doing that? Um, and it scared the piss out of me. Uh, but I, I, I think that people ha like we as human beings have, and we have this inherent thing of, of free will or, or, or free thought. Right. So so we have this ability to say yes or no, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. And and that's where a lot of it breaks down to people. You know, I believe that there's a lot of factors that play into it. On top of that, addiction is another one because addiction or, or any substance use will lower the inhibitions of the person that is using it. Right. So if if somebody's somebody's been drinking that 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 plays a factor into it because you no longer have that barrier that says yeah no because we've all done dumb shit when we're under the influence you know what i mean like i've done some really stupid shit that i would never do when when i was when i was sober uh, but that's but that's just it because that that substance takes away that ability to fight 
um, and, and that ability, well, not necessarily fight per se, but it takes the, the ability to process that and say, okay, this is right or wrong. That's why when people get behind the wheel of a vehicle um, and, and, and drive while they're intoxicated, you know, people damn them and say, well, how, how dare they do that? They should never have done that. Yeah, they should never have done that. There was a choice to get behind the wheel, but they didn't have the ability to say, no, I'm not going to do that. As wrong as that sounds, as wrong as that sounds and as terrible as that sounds, they don't necessarily have that ability to say no. So when presented with an opportunity that sounds quasi like like it's going to be a good idea, they're going to fucking do it. Yeah, I mean, you see, I, I you're right, but my brain... I think this is, I think again, to be honest though, I'm a little bit of a, you know, a, a cynic in general. Mm-hmm. So I find it very hard to have sympathy yep. for the guy who did the drink driving. Yep. You know, because in my mind, it's like, that's a choice. Yep. If you know you're like that when you hit that state, yep. you need to avoid that state. Yep. You chose not to, which means I don't have sympathy for you because mm-hmm. that was your choice. Well, I'll give you an example as to why I feel the way that I feel about that. Um, it's because back in 2018, I was in one of the worst positions in my life. Um, I don't really talk about this on TikTok. I've talked about it in my story, but I don't really talk about it on TikTok, obviously, because you can't bring up suicide or a suicidal attempt. It's a very, very sensitive subject. Um, but I was going through a real nasty divorce. Um, and, uh, I felt like nobody gave a shit about me and I felt like, um, that to a degree, I didn't care about myself. You know, my biological daughter was a part of my life, but she had her stepdad and he was at at this time. I was thinking he's a much better person than I am. He has so much more money than I do. He can provide for it. She doesn't need me. And I got to this point where I said, you know, uh, I'm going to reach out to people and, uh, I'm going to see if somebody gives a shit and I made like 32 phone calls. Nobody picked up, but I called the wrong people. Right. But in, in the moment I was like, I'm calling people that said that they care. Um, so I'm giving them the chance to save my life and they didn't. Uh, so in that time I drank, uh, I, I literally went, was in a setting where it, it was three hours between the time that I, started drinking to the time I had my event and um, I killed seven bottles just boom 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 so I had enough time to process that alcohol where where I wasn't completely intoxicated I knew what I was doing but um, it wouldn't hurt and so um, I got behind the wheel of a vehicle and I put my car in or my truck into a tree at 70 miles an hour and people are like, oh, why'd you do that? Like, you got in trouble. You got an OUI, which is operating under the influence. Like, why'd you do that? Why'd you choose to do that? And it's like, well, the method, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, is that I, wa- I, I wanted it to be over. I wanted the pain to be over. I wanted all of everything to be over. And I'm not saying that it's right or that it's wrong, uh, because that's a very personal thing to me. And everybody's going to have their opinion on, on, on what I did and how I did it. But, uh, you know... Um, that gave me the inability to be brave enough to do that because in my right mind, I never would have done it. 
you know in my right mind i never would have done that i never would have tried any method i didn't want to die i just didn't want i i i wanted the pain to be over and and if i could go painless and, and i could go without feeling anything then that that's the best that i had you know what i mean like the alcohol is going to numb it i know that if i i i know that if i go if i were were to go out and and drink a ton and then get stabbed i wouldn't feel it so that would go the same for what I was doing behind the wheel of a vehicle. I knew if I put my my car in, into a tree at seventy miles an hour, I'm not gonna feel anything. I'll wait, you know, you know. Uh, but fortunately, I woke up the next morning uh, in the hospital, and, and I was good. But um, it, it lowers the inhibition and it it takes it takes the the edge away and it it gives you that sense to do things that you normally wouldn't do sober, you know. And, and so so yeah. That's 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 my experience with it. Yeah, and like um, one of the things I've tried to do, especially very recently, is um, <coughs> I've been very fortunate that very recently, even though it's only a little bit, I found some peace. Mm-hmm. It's not much, yeah, but it's more than I've had in a very long time. Yeah, and I'm at the stage now where the only thing that means more to me than my peace is my children. Like, I'm a single man of two. I've got two boys that I see on a consistent basis. I'm very fortunate that I'm able to see both my boys very regularly. Mm-hmm. It's good for the mental health. Um, yeah. But, like, I have said, like, on my dating profiles and stuff, I'm like, it's in this order my children, my peace, everything else. And if you're not going to allow me my peace or add to that peace, mm-hmm. don't waste your time and don't waste my time. Yeah. I'm too old to be playing these games. I know what I want and I know what I need for my own mental health at this point. And I will not compromise on it. Like I've been, I've been a lot more selfish lately. And honestly, I think it's helped because my entire life I've always helped everybody else. I've always had to deliver, oh, Brendan, go help them. You're always helping people, go help them. And all it does is get me stabbed in the back. Mm-hmm. And my circle of friends is like four people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I mean, admittedly, one of them I did do dirty at one point. Uh, that was a very long time ago and I learned from that mistake. Um, and I deeply regret it. Even now, sometimes I remember it and I'm like, yeah, no, (laughs) that was a, that was a dickhead move. But, um, you know, I just, I'm so grateful to have found a, a little bit of peace and I try to make an effort now to, if I can help, I do. Mm hmm. Like obviously, with the, like, there's a guy I work with, and he's okay with me saying this because I've already asked him. Mm-hmm. But he has severe anxiety, mm-hmm. like the legs shake, can't make eye contact, the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. And uh, he started working in the new group that I'm in uh, a few weeks back, and he used, and we have this training. We were in training at the time, so we weren't actually taking calls. And if you get COVID or anything, you had to leave your batch you were in and then come back with the next one that came through behind them. 
So he ended up coming back into our group and my trainer was like, Hey, this kid's got really bad anxiety. Do you reckon you can help him? So I walked over with a little tiny, you know, those little um, gel style bouncy balls. Yeah. Because he's like me, he's a fidgeter. Yeah. So I've walked over and said, here, use this. It'll stop the leg twitch. Slow down. Turn your brain off. Zone out. Get your head right. I got you. Mm-hmm. I just sat there, put my feet up on his desk and just started talking to him. Mm-hmm. And we catch the train home from work most days. He's one of the most talented kids I know. And all because I sat there and said, we do this at your pace. Now, I don't have any mental health training. Nothing on an official level. Mm -hmm. But I'm the guy people come to. Yeah. Because I have the life experience. Yeah. And I've made the mistakes. And that's the key point is I said to him, I said, I made the mistakes. So you didn't have to. Yeah. And sorry, go on. I was going to say, you're using what you know to help other people out. And that's, that's what Hmm. matters. Well, the other thing is, is one of the things I'm very good at is, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, but I'm very good at speaking idiot. (laughs) And for the average, and for the average person, you have to dumb shit down for them. Right. So I've gotten very good at explaining things in a certain way so that the larger demographic can understand it. Yeah. And, and so my ability to get information into someone's head and make them understand it is top tier. Yeah. Because I've gotten good at it. Um, but yeah, I just, I make a conscious effort to try not to judge people. Uh, I mean, I don't have a, an ugly wig or a gavel, so I don't really think I'm in the position to be judging people anyway. Yeah. But, you know, um, yeah, you know, um, no, I just, I'm, I'm not perfect. I still have my moments where I'm like, that if this guy is a good person, I'm a fucking Dutch astronaut. This guy's an absolute cockhead. Yeah. And I mean... They say don't judge a book by its cover, but when people have gone through what I've gone through, I'm very rarely wrong. Yeah. Like, I used to be, I used to sit there with my mate and I'd point at somebody walking down the street and said, I'll bet you 50 bucks he's a junkie. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, How do you know? And I'm like, I'll tell you, he's a junkie. 50, I'll bet you 50 bucks he's a junkie. Mm-hmm. And he, and you know, he was. And he'd be like, How? And I'm like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what you want me to tell you. I don't know. I just don't. <coughs> yeah. The universe has given me this very unique gift. And I think it's, I think it comes, it stems from growing up when you're a bully victim, when you're not strong enough to beat people up, you have to outsmart them. Yeah. So I learned how people think. Yeah. And so to me, people are predictable. Yeah. Which is why it is so easy to troll them. Because you know how to get a reaction. You know what's going to trigger them. You know what's controversial. You know what's going to get a point across. Mm-hmm. And that's all guys like Andrew Tate, Milo Yiannopoulos, Ben Shapiro. Like That's all they're doing. Mm-hmm. And everybody falls for it, hook, line, and fucking sinker. Yeah. Every fucking time. Because they know they're going to get a reaction because you cannot help yourself. It's the human fucking condition. And one of the biggest things, one of my exes hates me to the to this day for this because 
we were we had a a little group like friend games night thing and she says to me she goes say something to me that you wouldn't say alone but you'll say here in the group and i said you're the type of person who if there's no drama going on in the world you'll create it because you're bored because you cannot live without it and i said the only piece of silver lining for you is you're not alone in that mm. the vast majority of people will look for drama where there isn't any and that's why people make up victims and depressors in their mm -hmm. narratives because it's the only way they know how to you know exist and function whereas i'm sitting there and i'm like i can make you a victim of assault if you really want like if you want to go down that road yeah i'll make i'll make you a victim if you want yeah it's like the old thing your parents say i'll give you something to cry about mate you want to be a victim i'll make mm -hmm. you a fucking victim i ain't got mm -hmm. no problem with that yeah but as as of this moment you're not <laughs> yeah yeah um so what is it what is it about about you know being around your son your sons that that kind of helps bring you peace and, and put you in a better place um part of it is selfish mm -hmm. um knowing what my sisters went through with their father i made a vow to them that i would show them that there are men in this world who are good fathers who love their children who look after their children who raise them right and because the only male role model they had aside from their father in their life was me and i was a kid yeah you know how good mm -hmm. of a, i mean as much as I tried to help, how much of a role model can you be as a kid? That's true. You know, um, mm. so I wanted to make sure that I set that example for them. Um, I also believe that being a parent is, it's, it's like choosing whether or not to be violent. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. I made the judgment call to have children, which means they are now my responsibility and it is my job now, in my mind, I'm very old school. I still believe in gender roles. I still believe the father has a particular role to play. And, and, and mm -hmm. you know, it, it, I was raised that as a father, if your sons are not better than you when they become adults, you have failed as a father. And not better mm -hmm. versions of you, better than you. Mm -hmm. And so my mentality is if, if I'm smart and I'm athletic and I've got good street smarts and I'm a fast learner, they have all those things, but they're better than me in every aspect of it. Yeah. And that's my mindset as a, as a, as a parent. And I've made the judgment call to have children. So in my mind, I don't get to complain. Yeah. I chose this. Yeah. My eldest son has stage three autism, global developmental delay and is nonverbal. Mm. Very full on lot of work. Sure. Didn't sign up for it, but it comes with the territory. It's part of being a parent. He's still my son. I love him no less. He's the happiest fucking kid in the world and I wouldn't change it for anything. That's awesome. Right? He, they're my children. Yeah. And I will, there will never be a time where if somebody gives me the option between my children and anything else and I don't pick my children. That, that does not exist. I can't picture a world where my children aren't numero uno in every single aspect. 
I don't like getting up and going to work. I don't like having to spend two hours on a train every morning to get to work and two hours on a train to get home every day. Yeah. I don't like it. But I get up and I embrace the grind. I'm a man. I'm a father. It is my job to provide and to protect for my, my children. Put a roof over the head, put three meals down the cable, give them somewhere nice and warm and clean to sleep. Yeah. That's my job. So that's mm -hmm. what I do. And it's not, I don't do it because it's my job as well. Yes, I mean, yeah, it is my job. It's what I'm supposed to do. That's my role in this. The nature created me to create children and be a father. That was the point that nature made me to exist for. Yeah. So now it is my job to take the creation that I was 50% responsible for and make sure they get to be a, live a good life. Yeah. And I will do everything in my power to make sure they don't go through what I went through. And I will walk through the depths of hell and take Lucifer's fucking head if it means that my children live a good life. Absolutely. And there ain't, a man, there ain't a man born from his mother who can stop me either. There's an old saying, they say, health hath no fury like a woman scorned. There's one thing more dangerous and that's a man with nothing to lose. It's very true. And there's one thing even more dangerous and that's a man with everything to lose. Because he'll do everything to keep it. Yeah. yeah. My children, the only reason I get out of bed. You can do whatever you want to me. You can say whatever you want to me. I've got the thickest skin in the world, mate. I've heard it all. I've seen it all. There ain't anything you can say to me that's going to trigger me. Second, my children are involved. Are you kidding me? I'd put, I, I would execute a hit on a human being for a packet of Doritos. That's how little human life means to me. What do you think yeah. I'm going to do to you if you start bringing in my kids? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Very true. It's, um, Very true. Hang on a sec. Uh, hold on one second. All right. What's up? Uh, yeah i just muted it so nobody has to hear your conversation yeah you're sorry good. about that it was just no yeah. you're good you're good no worries no worries yeah. but no i can understand that and i think i i i think that your approach in, in fatherhood is top tier top tier um you know the the fact that um that you're gonna you'd w be willing to do anything for your kids um that that's huge and that not a lot of people do that. Not a lot of parents do that. They'll 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 say it, but they won't live it. And, and that's that's the sad reality that we live in, is that it's, it's there's a whole lot of talk and not a lot of action. And it sounds to me like like you've got the action behind it. Yeah, I know what it's like to to have people fail you. Yeah. When you needed them to be, you know, you needed them to step up. You needed them to be the person they were supposed to be for you. Yeah. And they just fail you on repeat. I've learned if I want something and I want to do something right and I don't know how to do it, I'm a fast learner. I'm a smart fucking man. I'll find a way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and you know what, what has happened to you is, is absolutely atrocious. And I'm sorry that you went through that, man. <clears throat> I really am. 
Um, Honestly, I'm not. I think in some ways it's given me a really, really good understanding of just how evil the world can be. Yeah. And I know exactly what I need to do to avoid that for my children. It's allowed me that perspective. So I appreciate that. I do. I just, in some ways, without that perspective, I would be a lot more naive. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You've you've been, in a weird way, it's it's like a gift you've been given, right? Mm. So you've been given this gift of a a different perspective on the world that not a lot of people have, you know? Um, And... <clears throat> and it's 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 not an easy one, you know, because because people like us, we 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 get put in these situations where where it's almost like like you cannot win whatsoever. Like if fight if fight as hard as you you may you may you 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 can't win. Uh, but we take those we take those L's and we we create wins. We create W's out of them, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's. And it sucks that the people in our lives that we expect to treat us better don't. Um, but that gives us life lessons for the next time that 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 some shitty person comes along and, and acts the way that they do and they choose they they choose to. Um, what what to you what do, what does peace look like? To me, peace is the ability to know that I can go through this life do what I do, look after my kids and do it all on my own without help. Be me, enjoy the things I enjoy, Mm -hmm. but still, if it's organic and it happens naturally, have that person to do it with, with no stress, no, like I'm the kind of guy where if I've come home from work and I walk in the door, and the first thing you're doing is hitting me with shit to do. Out the door. Mm-hmm. I just work. I just worked all day. Nothing is that important that you need to bombard me the second I walk in the fucking door. Let a man have a shower and rest his shit. Like, mm-hmm. I know what needs to be done. I can walk in. I can see it with my own eyes. Yeah. I will do it in my own time. Yeah. Let me rest. Yeah. Right. And, and I just believe that it's, it's, it's on both sides. I'm not going to start pointing the main game or whatever. I don't believe in that. I just think that my, my piece is that I know that when I'm left alone, I'll quote Liam Neeson. Did you watch the A-Team movie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Liam Neeson says, if I've got a minute, I'm good. If I've got an hour, I'm great. You give me six months, I'm unbeatable. Mm-hmm. If you leave me alone, you don't do anything, and you leave me to my vices, you leave me with my demons, you let me sit by myself. I will formulate plans that will blow your fucking mind. I'm the kind of guy who sits in a room during the middle of the day when the sun is shining with blackout curtains. Mm-hmm. I get light sensitive sometimes, that's the real reason I do it, but I like to say it's for cooler reasons. <laughs> But, you know, um, yeah, you know, I just, when I'm left alone to, you know, if I'm given something then I'm left alone, I will solve it because I've had to rely on myself my entire life. 
so I've gotten good at it. I've had 29 years of practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I I can agree. You know, my the 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 point of the light of of life that I'm in now is is all about finding peace, man. If it doesn't bring me peace, I don't want it. You know, if it's if it's a person, and and I can't get peace out of like from that person, that they're not worth it to me. Um, and not saying that they're worthless, but they just you just it, don't waste each other's time. Yeah, yeah, and that doesn't matter if it's a family member, a friend, a colleague, whatever. If you're not bringing me peace or you're you're inter introducing discourse into my life, I I don't have a need for it. Um, you know, and then and 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 uh and and just simply that you know um i have to find my peace where i find my peace and my dad brought that you know gave that to me my dad and i have a much better relationship now and i went to go visit him last year i haven't seen him in like at that point i hadn't seen him in 10 years and, and um he lives up on a mountain by you know with him and his girlfriend he works a job he comes home he plays this music and that's it. And he's like, this is my piece. This is where I find my piece. He's like, I don't go out into society because, like, society has failed me. And I was like, I get it. I get it. You know? Yeah, and that's, that's the simplicity. Like, when I tell my friends my life goals, they say I'm boring. Because my life goal is the white picket fence. Yeah. All There's I want. Wrong with that. And, like, and they go, what about money? And I'm like, I want enough money that every now and then, I can take my wife and my children, go to a restaurant, order whatever we want, and not have to worry about what's in the bank account. Yeah. I just want to be comfortable. I'm a simple man. That's all I want. Yeah. That's my peace. Absolutely. To me, I think that it looks something like, and I've told this. People could be like, or people look at me like I'm like I'm batshit crazy when I say this, and I'm like I could be homeless, but as long as I got my family, I'm good. I'm happy. You could put me in a cardboard box under a bridge in the middle of a snowstorm, and as long as I got my family, I'm okay. And that's what matters to me. That's what matters to me. And you, you know, you talked about earlier. You talked about having your your kids be, um, be better than you. And, and I think that's what's wrong with society is that. And not just in parents, but in society, is that we don't want people to be better than us. So we create this competition, even if the person is brand new. Like, if, if let, let's say you hold a position where you're a CEO. You're not going to be a CEO forever. Like, sorry, dude. You're going to die. Somebody's going to take your spot. So why not? Why are you not trying to have that person that's going to succeed you? be better than you because they're going to continue your legacy they're going to take your I, legacy further to agree with you and to add to your point i look at it on a larger scale how are we supposed to advance as a species yeah. if we're not getting better yeah you know mm -hmm. how how do we move forward if we're not helping the next generation move forward And, and that's where this, where the bad, I believe there's a good selfish and a bad selfish, you know, selfish in, in the sense of, uh, the good selfish and what you're doing with your, with your son. You can't, you can't succeed without being selfish to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but I think society's gotten selfish to the point where it's, it's negative and, and it's, and it's not 
it's not adding to society. It's taken away, from, you know, taken away from society, and um, we're not giving that opportunity. We're not giving other people that opportunity to be great. So when greatness is thrusted on them, and they're given that fucking greatness, it's like, okay, what do I do with it now? Yeah, and again, and to use another analogy to your point, there's greed, selfish, and there's necessity, selfish. And that necessity is this is a dog eat dog world and I've got to do my part to make it. Yeah. And that's where the, and it's like, that's the same thing. Like there's egos and there's healthy egos, Yeah. right? You can have an ego, but not be a dick. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. Okay. Make sure everybody knows you're good. Make sure everybody knows where you stand but you can do it without needing to be a bad person and knock other people down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that if you're knocking people down, stepping on people on the way up, you need to reevaluate your life. I think you're doing it because you're scared. It's the yeah. fear of somebody else being better than you. The bigger, the big, the bigger fish is coming and you know it. And you just, you want to try and bring out any, it's like dictatorships is because they know that an uprising ends them. So they put as much fear into the general public as possible to quell that because they know it will happen. They are delaying the inevitable. Mm -hmm. So instead of that, why not just embrace it? Grow. Absolutely. Allow everything to grow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So before we shut it down, man, uh, I do have a question. If if you if you uh, came across somebody that kind of went through the same thing that you went through when you were younger, or even even you know more recently, what advice would you give them uh, to help them along the way? Trust your instincts. My I ignored my gut feeling, and it's nearly killed me on multiple occasions. If for even a split second you feel off the situation feels off the person feels off listen to that it'll save your life I promise you on every level it will save your life and it will do your mental health wonders because your brain will naturally adjust to going the easiest way to avoid this situation is to not be in it and people go oh but that's very boring because I don't go out and do anything because every time I go out drinking, there's always a fight. And I don't want to be around that because I grew up around it when I was a kid. And so the most logical thing to do, don't go out. Yeah, makes sense. And because I know that I still sometimes struggle with that chip on my shoulder, I don't know that if I'm backed into a corner, that I'm not just going to go, well, the only way I know that I'm going to be protected is if you're not moving and I will do what it takes to make sure that I'm safe. And I don't want that. I want to be here for my children. So the best way to do that is to avoid it altogether. Trust your instincts, talk to someone. I know this is the hardest thing. It's such a gray area because you think you can talk to certain people. And they either blow you off or they use it against you, which happened to me a lot. Mm -hmm. They utilized it against me as a weapon. Um, but there's always someone. 
it could be a random person, it could be anybody, but there's always someone you can talk to. I don't drink or smoke or do drugs. So my outlets for a long time were kicking a bag at the gym or sex. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, your boy ain't getting any. So, <laughs> you know. True. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, just find healthy outlets to vent and trust your instincts and just know that at some point the grind will pay off just just ha i know it's easier said than done trust me take it from someone who's been there i know it doesn't seem like it it'll happen absolutely absolutely all right brandon so i want to thank you for hanging out with me for this hour and 45 minutes man it's been a pleasure Ah uh, man, thank you for having me. I'm so grateful, man. Like it's I really actually appreciate been a, the opportunity. It's actually been a little bit longer than an hour forty five minutes because we were on a little bit longer before this, but that's what the timer on the on the computer tells me. So I'm just going off of that. But uh, but yeah, man, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I always enjoy interacting with you on on any social media, man. I appreciate it, man. And um, again, thank you for the opportunity, man. I, I do greatly, greatly appreciate it. And no problem, brother. No problem. And uh, and guys, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with us for this hour and a half, hour, hour and 45 minutes. It's super early for me. I didn't even let you guys know what the time is. It's almost 6 a.m. here. <laughs> and it's like, it's like what, almost midnight for you? Three minutes until midnight. Yep, yep. Yep, he, he wanted to jump on after work, and I was like, well, you know what? It's going to be 4 o'clock. Why not? 4 o'clock on a Friday? Fuck it. Why not? Yeah, I, I still appreciate that. No problem, man. No problem. I try to accommodate everybody that, that comes on here, man, whether it's uh, somebody on, on the East Coast, our time. You know, you're no different. You're no different. So, yeah, thank you guys for hanging out. Uh, I'm going to go and take an hour and a half nap before I got to get my daughter up for school. So I love you guys. Thanks for hanging out, and I will talk to you guys later. Much love.